All right, this is The Yay. I'm Reg Clay. And Norman G. This is The Yay, where we talk about life in the theater and the theater of life. Yay! We have a fantastic guest, Lindo Amayo Hassan. How are you, Linda? I'm doing great. Thank you. Fantastic. Uh, Linda is a local playwright. She's also a teacher. I know you were a teacher. I don't know if you currently are a teacher at Chabot College. Yes, currently still I am. Right on. And uh, you teach acting. Do you teach anything else? I teach voice for the actor. Um, All right. Design, intro to design. Mm-hmm. Um, theater one, intro to acting. Yeah. And um, many different classes, whatever Sounds they need. Like <laughs> whatever no, they no. need. Yeah, that's that's awesome. And uh, we can definitely talk about all, all of that stuff. And also, you have a project uh, coming up. I think it's called Cheer. Mm-hmm. Cheer, Story of a Dreamer. Yeah, mm. we'll definitely be talking about that. And that'll be going up November the 1st yes. to the 11th Yes, at the Theater Chapeau College. Mm-hmm. And we'll definitely be talking about that. Mm. Norma- stage one. That's right, stage one. Yeah. Stage um, one. Where, where's stage one? Well, stage one used to be called the Little Theater. And now they changed the name just to stage one. But it's on the Chabot College campus. Oh, okay. Yeah. Cool. Wow. <laughs> That's funny. No, because uh, Hayward's Theater used to be called the Little the Theater, little and thing. then they called it the Douglas Morrison. Yes. And now they're trying to rebrand it as the Morrison. Oh. Like, oh, is that right? Okay, good luck with that, y'all. Because <laughs> <laughs> everybody will remember Morrison. Oh, yeah, Morrison. Yeah. Uh, Doug. Yeah. Yeah. I know Doug. <laughs> <laughs> I remember when they changed that. Yeah. No, I do, too. And mm-hmm. so I was shocked when they were doing it again. I was like. I never changed. It hasn't been that long, y'all, and you haven't done anything to really make that sit in anybody's mind. So I guess shortening it, that could help. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. So as I begin each of our podcasts, although I think I know the answer, how was your week? I'm still in free fall, man. <laughs> like the show finished Sunday, too, yeah, and um, and I was at work Monday, and I picked up a couple of extra jobs this week, which was needed and I'm happy about it but mm-hmm. I'm still kind of going what do we do now mm-hmm. yeah yeah I, I should say four men hey it was only one show and you know every I think every playwright every actor every director goes through wow you know you spend three and a half months or whatever of mm-hmm. doing the show and then you break everything down and then you know you just some people have it very easy to walk away from a project it's like well, okay yeah. I would love to hear from you what, yeah. how yeah. was how was breakdown Specifically, uh, I'm sure we'll talk about other things, but I, I'm very I happy. didn't come for Monday. <laughs> no, for, for the Monday to yeah. folks show up and help mm-hmm. out. Oh, oh, the strike. The loadout, the strike. I mean, strike a strike. You know, uh, you know, we break things down, and uh, you know, some many cast members came. Uh, oh, great. I, I have to say, you know, um, like Curtis, and uh-huh. I can talk about Curtis because Linda, you have taught. I think you've taught Curtis. Yes, I, I know have. you've worked with him. Yeah. Yeah, Curtis came. Curtis has always been very eager. You know, he really, a lot of our cast members believe not just, they're not just hired guns. Okay, I'm going to do the role and then I'm gone. Mm -hmm. But they believe in the theater community. Mm -hmm. You know, they believe in bonding with people and uh, helping out when you can. Mm -hmm. Uh, And it's... I don't want to say it's rare, but it's wonderful when you see it. You well, know. it's 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 young. Yeah, it is. <laughs> it is. <laughs> you can get tired of that very very quickly, especially if you're working with some you know people who try to exploit that. And mm-hmm. unfortunately, that happens a lot, especially with young there actors. There are organizations yes. that do. Yes, a yeah. lot of young actors try to get out of that kind of uh, work. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that goes into uh, mm-hmm. taking down the set and everything mm-hmm. like that. Absolutely. Yeah. But there's also that feeling of 
sadness after you finish a production. Yes. And uh, mm. loss. And yeah. Mm-hmm. Good production. There have been productions where I'm like, thank God it's <laughs> over. <laughs> <laughs> and usually right. it's the personalities. But mm-hmm. not this time around. I think, you know, uh-huh. obviously Strike went well. And overall, although it was only one week and four days, um, we hit it. I mean, you know, we hit four men as hard as we possibly could yeah. and got as much out of it as possible. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I have to say, I'm very, very pleased. I spent all this week working on the DVD. Oh, good. Which oh. was a lot more, um, it's, it, you know, it's, I'm, I'm, I've, I'm so involved in theater. I'm not so involved in film as far as editing and mm-hmm. creating the, you know, like the pre-credits, post-credits, all that sort oh. of stuff. I, you know, that's. You know, it's it's uh, it's a mindset all by itself, and of course, I have to you know learn programs or whatever. But I think I'm I'm finalized with that. But wow. the cast, you know, what the cast has brought to it, what the DMT brought to the production, what Plethos has done, you know, the amazing work of Corinne Ritchie of packing the house, mm-hmm. yeah. uh, which is very difficult for a young playwright. I mean, this is my first ever published. I mean, first produced for a young company play. too. Yeah, Plethos is a year old. Yeah, that's exactly right. So. I think we got a lot out of it. I think the audience got a lot out of it. Um, I think the DMT should be very, very proud. I mean, the DMT has a habit of being very conservative mm-hmm. yes. and not bringing controversial and, stuff in. And right. your audience, the the crowd was quite diverse, which was very lovely to see. Yes. Because I've been to that rarity. theater before, <laughs> and I've seen, you know, mm-hmm. a different kind of crowd. Yeah. 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 So hopefully that will turn the minds of the DMT to say, hey, you know, because if they're about the money, you know, maybe right. they don't aren't so concerned about being conservative. They just want to pack the house. Yeah. And if you can bring in more controversial, not controversial, but just diverse, a different Diversity, voice. Yes. Right. Yeah. Well, I think they're. Um, I hope they'll look at that. I don't think they're just about the money. I think there is a community that they're trying to serve, but I think they've also been trying to expand that community. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If you bring in the right material, hopefully you can do that in a way that allows your old faithful audience to feel appreciated and and part of the mix but i think you have to rebrand that old audience Mm -hmm. in a way you have to tell them wow we're going to do new stuff we with you we're going to include you in this yep because otherwise they're going to get turned off and you know that happens all the time where (laughs) the old guard steps up and says no we will fight to the death we are not going to let you change what we know yeah fortunately and i talked to um there's a guy, Bob, I forget, he, he basically is the, sort of the house manager during the nights. And mm, oh, right. He had, he had mentioned that um, usually... He's somebody's... Dale's partner. Dale's partner, that's right, yes. Dale Albright. Dale Albright, yeah. Um, I'm not sure if they're married or not. I think they're husband and husband. These days. Yeah. <laughs> but in any case, he says, you know, he monitors when people leave during intermission. Right. And that did not happen, which Aww. is a, a wonderful thing. Wow. So, in any case, to uh, I mean, this is not this podcast is not about four men in Paris, but I'm very proud. No, but yeah. I just <laughs> want to say congratulations. It Thank was you a great so much. Show yeah, you were there. Were you there opening night or closing? Or when, was, what night were you? I think I went on the Friday night. Yeah, oh, it was on yeah. Friday night. Yeah. yeah. And um, hopefully you, you enjoyed it. I'd love to hear some constructive criticism. Yes, I know, and I will. Um, <laughs> I have your script. I want to go and give it a really good look sure. at and and. Uh, Try to get some more. Feedback. Yeah, from playwright to playwright, because I'll be yeah, asking absolutely. a lot of questions playwright-wise. Um, Where were you sitting? Now I'm curious. Were you um, sitting closer to the front or? No, I was kind of further back on the side, house mm-hmm. right. Oh, um, okay. Yes, but I brought a friend of mine because mm-hmm. I really, he's a young African-American uh, actor, and he's just a fantastic actor. Mm-hmm. And so I really am like, 
you've got to go and, you know, get out there and do some more because he's just a dream to work with and yeah. he's a strong actor. Right on. I think she tried to get him to audition. Yeah. For, for it's you. a rarity. I mean, I tell you, you know, you and I know how hard it was to get young black men to audition yeah. for uh, the role. Because a lot of what's ha- been happening in the Bay Area, if you're a talented, especially a black man, I would say any minority, but especially black men, if you hit it hard and you and you are well talented, you are off to New York or L.A. or well, you know somewhere else. Uh-huh. That generally happens. You know, these mm-hmm. people get to a place where they feel some confidence about what they're doing, mm-hmm. and they don't see the opportunities here, so they're like, "I'm gone." Yeah, mm-hmm. like a good friend of mine, Lamont Rougel, mm-hmm. fantastic actor. He did um, the last thing he did. I think was um, Master Harold and the Boys Ooh. at the Oakland Public Theater. Uh, not the, no, I'm sorry, the no. uh, the not the Oakland Public Theater, the Off Broadway West. Oh yeah, uh, and okay. he did a magnificent job, and you know was getting job after job after job. I right. think he also did Angels in America at the Town Hall Theater, oh. and then boom, he was out of town. Mm-hmm. Yeah, oh. he did a reading for four men, um, and actually oh. he, was, he, he was instrumental. He was James. It was uh, in. It was the first reading that we ever did. In oh, my okay, living room. okay, okay. And he was the one who said, "Hey, James needs a scene. You know, he mm-hmm. needs." And, that's, <laughs> and because right. of him, we created three one, where right. you know, we had James and Francois in bed, oh. and uh, that happened because which of which was Vermont. a lovely scene. Yeah, thank it you. was yeah. very. It was just a lovely scene. Yeah, yeah. We needed more of that. Well, it was so funny to to tell the actors as we're developing the scene. So you're going to get dressed. And you're not going to get dressed, <laughs> and I need that. I yeah. need you on stage. And I, the laugh we got for that line, I never expected. James would say, it's "Francois, not it's not you," and he'd say, "I know it's not me." Yes. <laughs> and the audience was just—it was the biggest. Uh, the and last who, show, it was the biggest laugh we got that and night. Who, and who knew? You know, as a, as a writer, and I'm sure you can understand, um, Linda. You never know what's going to work. <laughs> you, you have no idea. Uh, I had no idea. I was like, well, that's just a natural line. I was like, wow. It is a natural line, but having him stand there damn near naked yes. um, <laughs> just brings a different mix to it. And it was great to see him because as an actor, you basically have to have a confidence about your lines yeah. that fed into his physicality. Mm-hmm. And so this man standing here in his underwear is going, well, I know it's not me. And you're like. Yes. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Which was great because it actually normally the normal thing would be like, oh, it is me. You're, you know, and, and right. sure. that's that's a choice that a lot of people would make. But yeah. you made the opposite choice, which was great. Yeah. Well, and I, refreshing. I was going to say he didn't. I don't know so much. He made the choice. I made the choice that that's what was going to happen. <laughs> he went with it and then started finding stuff that we never talked about. And I was like. Yay! That's everything I could dream of <laughs> happening in this scene, mm-hmm. but I wasn't sure how to encourage you to get there. Yeah. Just making you stand around in your underwear, apparently. Yeah. <laughs> what I was, was going to say is Joshua Flores, it's his first ever time being on stage. On stage, really? Right. Mm-hmm. Which is incredible. Great And stuff. he had to appear yeah. practically <laughs> nude. Right. Yeah. Exactly. So Off to the deep end, right? Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I, I can't think... Plethos and the actors enough and the yeah. DMT enough and um, and it's on to the next thing. Right. Um, current events. events. Current <laughs> events. So I posted something <laughs> online, you know, from the wonderful world of Paris in sixty to you know the the Trump <laughs> world of two thousand eighteen. Mm. So I saw something today. Um, this is local. This is local politics. I think this is this happened in uh, I want to say Missouri. So a local Missouri, uh, apparently there's a um, senator. It's a senator uh, race. 
Um, a new radio, I'm just going to read this, a new radio ad seeking to frighten black voters away from Senator Claire McCaskill's campaign. Right. By suggesting the Democrats support lynching. Lynching, yes. Oh, my goodness. So there's a black guy who's an activist. He's a Republican activist named Mer- Vernon Mitchell. Mm-hmm. Is it Mitchell? Um, hold on. Let me. I've got, I've got it right here. Uh, Robinson. I'm sorry, Vernon Robinson. Mm-hmm. And he's done this before. So he'll he and he's depending upon blacks to be ignorant, right, of history, right. So basically, in this ad where two you know black women and we know they're black women because they talk, you know, uh-huh. there's a line in my play where you know because apparently all black people talk this way, right. And they're talking about wow, if the Democrats could you know denigrate. Uh, Kavanaugh. Kavanaugh, what do you think they will do to our men? Right. And, you know, we've got to, you know, support the Republicans and, you know, stop lynching because they're going to lynch our black men. Right. And and I was just, oh, for God's sake, you know, it's just. And there's not even a black man in the race, is there? Right, exactly. The Democrat is a, a white person. You know, this dis- is very disturbing to me because yeah. I actually am from I'm from Kansas City on uh-huh. the Kansas side, not the Missouri right, side. Right. Yeah, but I did go to school on the Missouri side, which mm-hmm. is just oh. r- really quite near. <clears throat> yeah, um, but coming from that area and then living here, um, just the segregation that happens in the Midwest yeah. is just it's shocking, really. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, a- each time I go back. Um, it brings back a lot of memories and feelings about how segregated people are. Yeah. And I, I just, you know, I have a lot of friends that are, you know, white from that area and that they just don't, they don't get it. Mm. They, don't, they don't get it because they normally stay with white people. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And because um, there's a lot of, you know, Latinos here, Mex- you know, yeah. uh, whites here, blacks here, mm-hmm. browns here, you know. So it's very segregated there, and and I can see how that would be um, just quite a disturbing thing for them to yeah. pass around. And uh, if you don't mind me asking, you are Latino. Uh huh. I'm oh. I'm I'm Mexican American and mm. also Native American. Um, wow. Sioux. Yeah. Oh, that's fantastic! Wow. Yeah. I've part, uh, my grandmother was half black, half Cherokee. Uh-huh. So um, I can definitely see that. I don't know. I was going to ask about just the Midwest because I was thinking about. Why racism still exists? You would think that in 2018 we've gone past that, but there obviously. Well, when she ahead. was saying that, one of the things I thought about is these communities you're talking about in Kansas, or in that area in general, are largely ignorant of their own. So, like I know for myself, I didn't know until I studied jazz and the history of jazz. Kansas City, big deal. Oklahoma City, big deal. These are because mm-hmm. there were communities there. But you don't know that history unless you learn that history and you live that history. So you could be in the same community and not know there's this vibrant community of people of color Absolutely. right here. Yeah. Yeah. And you just don't know. Yeah. It's um, yes. It, and, you know, one of the things that I find coming from now living in the Bay Area for over 21 years now, um, practically longer than I've lived um, in Kansas City, um, uh just coming from this area, I live in Hayward, mm-hmm. and Hayward is such a unique place because we have just all kinds, you know, right. and this mm-hmm. the, the East Bay. I love yep. the East Bay. Yeah. Um, because it's just, there's just a variety of people, mm-hmm. and everybody gets along. You go to the grocery store, you see, mm-hmm. you know, African-American, Asian, right. you know, you just see all kinds of people, and 
it's not a big deal. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But if you go to Can- and then when I go to Kansas City to see my family, mm-hmm. um, it's so different. Wow. It's mm-hmm. so different. Go mm-hmm. to the grocery store. I'm like, <coughs> where are the African American people here? Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah. And um, and it just feels. It just feels strange. But you can also go to Marin and experience that as well. Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, my theory, and it's just a theory, I think there are tangible and intangible reasons why racism still exists. I think the tangible reason, and we're seeing it now with politics, is politicians get elected via racism. Right. By, you know, by amplifying the very, you know, the fears that, you know, some people Mm -hmm. have, unjustified fears. You know, oh, you know, and and the NRA loves racism because – you can buy guns. You know, it's great for business. Oh, yeah. And uh, you have politicians who are like, you know, let's stoke the fear up. And that's why you're going to vote for me because I want you to be afraid. It's one of the yeah. big things I've been pushing. So mm-hmm. of the few things besides catching up on work that I've been doing this week mm-hmm. is just trying to catch up on where we are politically. Because we've got this election coming up. Yeah. We need to do stuff. Mm-hmm. And to me, the biggest thing that's going on right now is I think they have successfully put the fear in men. Mm-hmm. That they're going to be attacked by the oh, Me Too movement, yes, 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 and therefore yes. they better vote mm-hmm. in a way that is going to protect them. Because otherwise, <laughs> if these crazy folks get in, mm-hmm. they're just going to overturn everything, and everybody's going to be accused, and they're going to dredge up all the stuff from your past. And why should you have to deal with all that? And it's like, well, if we really want to move forward, you got to deal with all of it. And if nine out of ten women that you talk to have had some kind of experience of sexual harassment or mm-hmm. sexual assault. That means there's a either one really busy guy out there doing all of this or there's a whole lot of men yeah. doing a whole lot of stuff and looking the other way a whole lot of times. That's us. Yep. And I'm not comfortable with it either. But I realize I, I have ex-girlfriends who I can talk to about this and go, well, I'm not even going to ask the question. Let's just say that the way that things went between us were, you know, we're over the line. We're inappropriate, mm-hmm. whatever. Mm-hmm. You know, I can. And the funny thing is I can make those statements. Yeah. Hoping, praying that somebody will say, oh, no, 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 no. It wasn't that. <laughs> yeah. And if they do try to refute it, they're, ref- you know, it's so weak. Yeah. And it's like, no, you're trying to give me a pass on that. I'm, I'm not asking for a pass. Yeah. I don't think I should go to jail. I don't think I raped <clears> anybody. But I've been a typical guy in mm-hmm. America. I've been part of a lot of things. I've witnessed a lot of things. And hopefully going forward, I mm-hmm. will be better about that. Yeah. But we also need to own that it happened. Yeah. And that's why we're where we're at now. That's why these accusations are coming up. Yeah. Yes. I, you know, what I was going to, and I, I really want to hear you know, uh-huh. what you think, Linda. Um, I've thought about the, how should I say this, the... Um, the politics of sex, mm-hmm. and I'm not talking about sex as an identity, but the act of sex, mm-hmm. the communications. Like I thought, you know, when I was younger, of course, young and horny, and you know, I want, you know, oh, she's got tits and ass, and you know, maybe I can get mm-hmm. some action or whatever. And as I've gotten older, especially when it's like, hey, we're going into the bedroom, I focus very much on how do I communicate to her? Is it okay if I do this or if okay? I mean, you don't want to go overboard, but mm-hmm. it's like checking in. Mm-hmm. especially when you're intimate, is so, so much more important now. Sometimes I feel like, hey, I'd rather be intimate than go all the way because it's safer and I feel more comfortable. But On so many levels safer. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And I think about what what boys are taught. 
you know, mm-hmm. because it because it is so prevalent. Get it? You know, uh, well, sure. You know, like you know, like your mom may tell you, you know, treat a woman like a flower and be very careful, Jimmy. And your dad's like, hey, did you get it? Yeah, yeah. you hit it. And you know, it sounds funny, but now when it comes to the Me Too movement, you know, you have men if they're woke enough, will say, well, gee, you know, what did I do? Right. Or if you're not woke, it's like, well, for God's sake, you know, we, why am I being judged for something I did? You know, whatever. And it wasn't that bad, was it? But, um, Linda, do you have kids? I have two sons, yeah. 20 and a 15-year-old. Mm-hmm. What do you teach them? What, what did you teach them? And Well, I think, you know, I th- what I think is important is just – the way that my husband treats me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's a very respectful person. Yeah. Um, and so my kids, um, I mean, I think they're, they grew up being respectful towards all kinds of people. Mm-hmm. Um, but it has come up, some of the things have come up about, you know, the subtleties of, of the Me Too movement, you know, where somebody I was giving him a um, visual or a look mm-hmm. that he did not pick up on and mm-hmm. so that's where I have a little bit of difficulty because if you don't teach your daughters to speak up yeah to say this isn't okay yeah. I feel uncomfortable yeah I was fortunate to have a mother that taught me trust your gut mm-hmm Trust your gut. Mm-hmm. If you feel if feel like it's in you're in the wrong place, at the, uh, you know, at the wrong time or whatever, trust your gut. Get out of there. Leave. Yeah. If you feel uncomfortable around mm-hmm. somebody, mm-hmm. just trust that it's not it's not worth staying around and and you know and being a part of that. Mm-hmm. Now that was my experience. My mom taught me that because right. she had sexual abuse in her. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. she had been you know come on to and all that stuff and um and so and even though she did tell me that there i did have a couple of experiences that were inappropriate um but did not go far because i left you know whatever i was like no this is not okay Mm -hmm. and i just left so yeah but i didn't tell anyone for a long time Mm -hmm. right you know because i didn't want to believe it was true Mm -hmm. i knew it it felt wrong and it felt it i was young i didn't know what to expect mm-hmm. and I didn't know my feelings about it but I knew it wasn't what I wanted yeah and so it didn't need th- to get worse before it didn't you get reacted. Me to worse. so I really encourage you know I don't have any dollar daughters um, but I encourage teaching the daughters and teaching the sons because you just don't know where you're going to be and and you know you don't mm-hmm. know what's going to happen it's just it can happen to anyone. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, but trusting your gut and, and teaching kids to mm-hmm. trust their judgment because yeah. it's really difficult because some people can't. Yeah. Some people can't decipher that. I did have a quick question for you, Linda, because you're also a teacher mm-hmm. at Chabot College and you teach introduction to theater. I don't know if you get into intimacy with four men in Paris. We've talked a lot about mm-hmm. how we had to deal with intimacy, especially mm-hmm. with younger actors. Do you get into that at all? Um. With theater, with at the community college level, because Chabot College is a community college, mm-hmm. um, you know, we're kind of a more. It's we 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 do have those moments, sure, where there's kisses, the, mm-hmm. you know, stage kisses, mm-hmm. and there are um, you know scenes that are a little more intimate. Yeah, um, but you know, those come <coughs> few and far between. You know, mm-hmm. there's moments where we have scene work that's mm-hmm. kind of that way, 
And that can be kind of, you know, you have to treat that in a delicate way. Sure. But one of the things that I find interesting was this whole thing with Al Franken and how he, you know, was ran out of town, run out of town. Mm -hmm. Um, I had a really difficult time with that because yeah, I talked I, about this last week. Oh, did you mm-hmm. talk about it? I'm sorry. Yeah, no, no, because no, well, one of the things that I want to say, it's a great example. I remember because coming from a theater background and mm-hmm. I just don't feel like they really covered this in the news coming from a theater background. I remember what the, um, the lady that had accused him with mm-hmm. the, you know, of, uh, wanting to rehearse the scene, wanting to rehearse the scene where they had right. a kiss. Right. Well, that is a professional thing to do mm-hmm. as a the- as an actor. Right. You want to rehearse your scene before you go on stage, yeah. right. you know. And so I didn't have a real problem with that. I was very confused by that. Well, yes, but of course, if he's sticking his tongue down your throat, then that's something else. Right. That's yeah. what she of said course. he did. Yeah. Hmm. Um, but it could be easily mistaken if your lips are wet or something. Mm-hmm. You might think it's a tongue, right. you know. So, um, so I had an issue with that because I thought, well. How, how are we going to address this in the theater world? Right. Because we do have scenes that you need to rehearse and you want to be professional about it mm-hmm. and you want to, you know, and then they're doing funny body scenes. Sure. Right. right. And the other thing was the, the picture that he had and mm-hmm. he put it, you know, he has had his hands in front of her while she's, well, she had a Kevlar vest on. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Kevlar vest doesn't even like let a bullet through. Right. You know, so <laughs> yeah, how... Yeah. Is he going to cop a fill on, you know? Right. So I kind of was like, that was obviously a joke. He wasn't right. even touching. Right. It was just yeah. like some bad And taste. why didn't she say yeah. anything right then and there? Yeah. yeah. Well, I, I mean, mean that thing we've, we've dealt, we're dealing sure. with yeah. and sure. we need to deal with. You know, people in those situations may not say anything. Yeah. But, um, yeah, it's hard to. One of the things that came up in our in our rehearsal process was realizing, I realized We've got these scenes, and the way we're scheduled, it's going to be one woman and, like, four or five guys mm-hmm. in this room, and this is supposed to be a bedroom scene. I'm like, I – and so I begged the producer, Karen, Corinne, to come in mm-hmm. and and be there. I said, really, I need you to be there just one so that there's another woman in the room, but two – it's your job <laughs> as the producer the produce, to yeah. make sure that this is a safe space. And I'm telling yeah. you, I want it to be safe. I'm also telling you, I don't have any training in something like this. So I'm going to have to go off of my needs to make the scene feel right mm-hmm. versus taking care of these people on a personal level. I'm happy to try and juggle these, but it's a juggling act. I want you to be there to tell me, hey, you're, you're missing something or, hey, mm-hmm. can we stop for this <coughs> moment? Because we did have a meltdown one night. I was um, about to mention that, yeah. Yeah, we had a meltdown one night, and the actress, to her credit, said, I need to step away. And she, middle of a scene, well, not the middle, we were almost at the end of the night, but she stepped away, and I was like, and I thought, what do I do now? I could put everything on hold and go deal with this. She has run off to the bathroom crying. Hmm. I think we could finish this up in five minutes, and mm-hmm. that'll give her a chance and to have a God good Corinne cry. Was there. Yeah, because yeah. what would have happened if and Corinne then Corinne, there? Yeah. And Corinne jumped up within a minute or so and said, "Let me go see what's going on." And I was like, "Great!" Because if I can finish up with everybody else, then I can release them, or at least get to a point where we can pause and I can see what's going on. And eventually, I released them, and I loved that moment because by then she'd come out of the bathroom, and she and Corinne were over on this little side room. Mm-hmm. And I went over to see – I said, can you guys give me 
just take take a quick break. I just need to see what we're going to do with the rest right. of the evening. You guys have been wonderful work. Take a break. <laughs> and I went over to see, and she was getting to a place where she was sort of back in the world with us, but her emotions were still very present. And I'm not trying to rush her or not rush her. What I need to know is, did something happen in the process that created this? Because then I have to deal with this. If it didn't, then I can figure out how to make space. And once she said, oh, no, it had nothing to do with this. Great. Then I don't need to keep anybody else <laughs> here. I walked yeah. out and said, okay, you guys are released. Uh-huh. I don't. There's nobody I need to talk to. And I went and I checked in with her scene partner real quick to say, has nothing to do with what's going on tonight. Don't, don't feel bad about it. And then I was able to give the rest of the time to her. What cracked me up was she at one point said, I just can't go out in that room with, you know, I can't stop crying. I don't want to go out in that room with tears streaming down my face. I said, everybody's gone. <laughs> Corinne's here. I'm here. And Barry and, and, and Ridge were waiting to ride with me. Right. Mm-hmm. I'm like, everybody's gone. We're straightening the room. Mm-hmm. Take your time. You know, we got really good work done tonight, so don't feel bad about disrupting the process. And and I'm trying to leave the door open to if there's something you need mm-hmm. to get off your chest, go for it. But I'm also not a therapist, so right. I'm not going to try and make this a therapy session. I'm just not going to ignore the fact that you're having feelings. And that that's the part of the spectrum of intimacy that is necessary for all actors to deal with. You got to show up. You got to personally show up for this, but also for all producers, directors, people—you know, the crew, staff—to be aware that that's why all businesses now have HR departments. Mm-hmm. That didn't exist when I was a kid, but it does everywhere now because mm-hmm. sometimes you need to step away from what is the end goal of our work, and what about these human beings? Let's deal with these people on a human mm-hmm. level. I should say, on a positive note. She did tell us, I think I'm not out of bounds by right. saying it, but she was expecting it. Mm-hmm. So, and, uh, you know, she Well, it took her another week to figure that out. Uh-huh. Yeah. So she was hormonal. And she even laughed about it. And uh, yeah. as a stage manager, not only, you know, uh, that was my role in the rehearsal process, I felt a little helpless, too, because I'm, I, I feel very protective of the actors. I want to make sure that they're having a positive right. experience. Because if they're having a negative experience, then that taints everything. It's like, right. oh, I'll never work with that company again. And that director and that, God, you don't right. have that at all. Right, and it was dangerous, right. Yeah, exactly. I felt, so, I felt threatened. I felt in danger. But you did the right thing by having Corinne there. And I'm so saying, grateful. She yeah. showed up. She wasn't material. planning on being there as much as she was. <laughs> but there were, anytime I knew I was doing one of those scenes, I was like, if you can be there tonight, I'd really appreciate it. Or if you can be there Wednesday, uh-huh. <laughs> you know. If you want to come in and do something tomorrow, feel mm-hmm. free. I'm, you're the producer. It's your show. Come anytime you want. But what I really need is Wednesday. Yeah. <laughs> and she showed up. It was fantastic. Yeah. Yeah, I thought, and I've mentioned this before on other podcasts, but I've never thought that I had privilege. You know, I think as a black man, well, you know, I've got to struggle and deal with all this. But there's a thing called male privilege. Right. And, you know, as an actor and as a stage manager, I don't worry about, you know, things like scene or I'm being protected or – or anything like or that. Or walking to the parking lot at night after the show and exactly. it's dark. And that's a dark parking lot. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> I know that lot. And I have to think, wow, women have to go through that. Mm-hmm. And I've had conversations with people on the EA, females, 
who have talked about their experiences doing intimacy scenes. I talk about it all the time. You know, Radhika Rao. I don't know if you know who Radhika Rao is, but she's a director and an actress. She's been around the Bay Area, very, very talented, and I have a great deal of respect for her. But she wants to have a conversation about how she, as a woman, is treated, mm-hmm. both as a director and as an actress, especially. She talked about doing an intimacy scene, and the director didn't check in, the stage right. manager didn't check in, and she felt violated. Mm. And she was like, wow, this is a rehearsal process. I should feel safe. Right. Yeah. This is something that I've, I should have fun doing, and I'm not having any fun mm-hmm. doing it. Have you had experiences like that as, a, as an actress or have dealt with, I don't know, gender issues as a, uh, as a director? Well, I think when you do those scenes, some of those scenes, mostly it's like with, with what we do at Chabot, it, it mostly has to do with like kissing scenes well, and sure. things like that, which is can be very, mm-hmm. you know, um, scary for certain actors and mm-hmm. everything like that. So mm-hmm. just like finding that time to go, okay, we're going to just, just those two people, we're going to work on this sure. with no one around, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, none of the other yeah. cast and just what like what work you, that scene. Yeah. But what about you as an actress? As an actress, um, you know, I didn't experience that so much, you know, um, you know, my roles, I tended to have more of a character driven, you know, the, the character parts. And so none of the, like the young ingenue, I was always kind of a, um, uh, more the, the character, uh, actor. Um, but, um. Yeah, no, I don't. I don't really think I experienced that much. I mean, I did some scene work and things like that, where where certain stuff came up like that. I mean, mm-hmm. I could, you know, my husband and I, <laughs> we did a scene together, and it was like really, ooh, yeah. okay. Um, but um, and then we ended up getting married. Right. But uh, mm-hmm. but you know, it was one of those things where mm-hmm. it was a scene study, and um. And it kind of came up, and we were like, well, this is just the scene. You know, it's not about mm-hmm. us. And so we're trying to be very professional about mm-hmm. it and just kind of sat down and was like, okay, this is, you know, that was intense, but, you know, we know we're acting, and, mm-hmm. you know, we mm-hmm. want to be able to explore but not, you know, mm-hmm. get caught up mentally with our relationship. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so we were very, you know, vocal about, like, yeah, mm-hmm. okay, well, that happened. No whatever mm-hmm. and um you know it was just a scene and then we later became you know we were still we were friends and mm-hmm. then then later we we, we decided that it, yeah. it was there was more <laughs> there to us mm-hmm. but yeah, that's um, awesome I, I love hearing things like that but you know the chemistry mm-hmm. sometimes can get kind of intense yeah. in scenes or you know in plays and um and then hopefully you know there your respect respectful to the other person as well yeah yes i've done scenes with people that i'm not really attracted to <laughs> you know and right. so i mean that's a whole yeah. other thing you have to do but sure. um but when it's when you know that it has to be professional mm-hmm. and it has to you know you have to let go but a lot of times at chabot for our uh, you know what one of the things that i say in my class is that you know if you have an issue with another student mm-hmm. in the classroom and like they're following you and i've had students that they go, well, this guy is really, you know, trying to, wants to be my friend or wants to, you know, keeps contacting me or whatever. And Mm -hmm. I say, you know, go to security and tell Mm -hmm. them, you know, tell them, don't Mm -hmm. mess around with it. Just go and nip it right there and just tell them that this person, I'm having issues with this person. They'll go and talk to them. They'll, you know, they'll start a paper trail on this particular person. Mm -hmm. And uh, so that I'm, 
And I tell that to all my students at the beginning of the semester. If you have an issue, you can come and tell me, mm-hmm. but I'll probably tell you if it's more than just, you know, like classroom thing. If it's something that's happening outside a classroom, I will tell you to go to campus security or go to the police department, mm-hmm. you know. So I really try to encourage them as students to vocalize what is bothering them. Mm-hmm. And even if they have, you know, even if they are dealing with a teacher mm-hmm. that is mm-hmm. inappropriate yeah. or saying things that are hurtful, I said, even me, you know, you don't have to come to me and tell me. Mm-hmm. Go to the dean. Go mm-hmm. to the president if mm-hmm. you have an issue with me. But go to somebody. Yeah. You know, yeah. use your voice. You have the ability. You are a student here. Mm-hmm. We are here. We're, we're employers here. You know, mm-hmm. We're employed here. And you know, we have to be respectful, just as respectful as yeah. Yeah. we expect our students to be. So, yeah, Absolutely. I'd, we might as well get into an origin story. We've heard about, you know, how you met your husband. Um, <laughs> how did you get involved in theater? Let's hear the story of Linda Amayo Hassan. Well, <laughs> I got involved in theater. Um, like I said, I grew up in Kansas City, Kansas. Born on the and Kansas raised? Side. Yes, born okay. and raised on the Kansas side. Siblings? And um, Siblings? I have, um, well, I have five brothers one is no longer living Mm -hmm. and two sisters and come from a very large family of eight Mm -hmm. um my father worked for the railroad and my mother was a stay-at-home mom okay she worked she worked yeah much much more harder than my father did i believe Mm -hmm. that to be the case with eight kids um but um i didn't come nobody in my family did theater Hmm. No one was a performer. I'm also a singer, you know, so nobody sang. Mm-hmm. Um, my mother was, she did, she would draw. She was an artist uh, at at a certain point. She was really, I mean, when she was young, she went and she was like wanted to go to art school. Mm-hmm. And, but mm-hmm. she, you know, started having kids and started having a family, right. you know, and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. So um, she really um, was uh, just, you know, she focused on her family. Yeah. Um, but I was uh, number seven of eight. Mm-hmm. So um, my older siblings got to go to college, you know, and um, they kind of, a couple of them went, and they just dropped out. They didn't finish. They never, mm-hmm. they didn't complete it. Mm-hmm. So I was the first person in my family to wow. go to college mm-hmm. and uh, graduate, and then also go to grad school and graduate from grad school. Wow. Now, so, was there any um, theater before college, though? Yes, there was. So when I, I was a very shy uh, person when I was a little kid, mm-hmm. and uh, extremely shy. Um, but um, I took a speech and drama class, mm-hmm. and that just kind of opened up the world to me because I loved writing speeches, <laughs> you Good. know, mm-hmm. and presenting speeches to my speech and drama classes. I think it was this eighth grade or seventh or eighth grade. Mm-hmm. Um, and then that's when I just really got involved in, in theater. I did mm-hmm. a little sketch comedy, and I believe it was a sketch from the Carol Burnett show. Oh, I can't right? remember which one, but I, I believe it She's was. She's in town this week, this oh, weekend, wow. I think. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So anyway, at the time, mm-hmm. it, she was very popular. Yeah. Um, so we did a little Carol Burnett sketch. Mm. And then that was junior high. And then I went into high school and I just focused on um, acting oh, from there yeah. on out. Mm-hmm. You know, and I was fortunate in my high school. I went to, I mean, I was, the school that I went to, all the schools that I went to was really all white. 
Mm-hmm. Um, there, our neighbors were African American, and we were the Mexican American mm-hmm. family, and then everybody else was white. And I think there was another Mexican, you know, family that, or there was a couple other Mexican families that were a part of the school district, mm-hmm. and then maybe a, a couple more African American. Mm-hmm. But it was really white. Yeah. And I was fortunate enough to have an African-American drama teacher in high school, Miss hmm. Judy Jones. Yeah. And she um, was from New York, and she went to the Fame High School, you mm-hmm. know, um, from New York City. Oh, Fame. Yeah, the Fame. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I can't remember. It's the Lincoln Center. I, yeah, I can't remember yeah, the name yeah. of the school. But uh, she was um, – she was from there, mm-hmm. and she came to Kansas City, and she was our drama teacher. Oh. And she cast me in lots of different roles mm-hmm. and worked with me and was loving and supportive and encouraging. And I had a best friend, and she and I both uh, – she was white, but mm-hmm. she <laughs> yeah. we both, like, traded lead roles in yeah. high school. Uh-huh. And then she um, – you know, we went our separate ways. We, we came to college, and I went to a small college in, in the middle of Kansas called Emporia. Mm-hmm. Emporia State University is mm-hmm. a teacher's college. And then from then, I was like, well, I don't – yeah, I was going to graduate. I did a lot of theater in um, in uh, undergraduate school at Emporia mm-hmm. and went through the American College Theater Festival and oh, did all right, those kinds yeah. of, you know, competition things or whatever – and was a part of all of that, and I got really great parts when I was in college, even though it was pretty much all white there, too. Mm-hmm. And I was probably one of the first Latinas to actually um, graduate from that school mm-hmm. um, in, in theater, mm-hmm. yeah. um, you know, and probably the first Latina in um, mm-hmm. the – I went to the University of Missouri in Kansas City uh-huh. for yeah. um, my master's uh, and probably was one of the first Latina to graduate in the acting yeah. department. Right. Yeah. Um, but, um, yeah, I just um, – I had really great teachers that encouraged me and supported me. Yeah. And I was going to ask, how, how did your family I – mean, I mean, they've got to be proud of you. But I wonder, because a lot of families, like, you know, my family was like, well, you know, you're going to school for theater. You know, mm-hmm. don't you want to do something more – Substantial. I mean, did you get that any of that Shoot, from your my family? My stepfather was like, you're not going to do that. <laughs> mm. Well, for me, I guess I was number seven of eight. Mm-hmm. At that point, they just encouraged me to go for whatever I wanted to do. Cool. You know, they didn't have any ideas what where I was going to go. I didn't have any ideas of what I was going to do, where I would end up. I didn't even know about grad school when I finished. When I was in undergrad, I was like, oh, you can get a master's degree in mm-hmm. acting and directing. Oh, okay. Well, why don't I do that? Because uh-huh. I wasn't, I didn't know what I was going to do. And I had a great professor who had just gone through the whole um, getting into grad school and mm-hmm. had just finished grad school. So mm-hmm. he's just fresh mm-hmm. out of it. And he helped me, like, you know, get, I went I went to the URDAs, mm-hmm. the University Resident Theater. Right. Um, and did URDAs. And I had to do it at UMKC. At the time, you had to, like, audition at, at the local level, and then they would send you to Chicago or San Francisco mm-hmm. or New York. Well, I auditioned there, and I got passed on to Chicago. And I have a sister that lives in Chicago, so I went there mm-hmm. and uh, did the audition thing. And I got, like, 12 callbacks from a bunch of different universities. Yeah, and I was that. like, mm-hmm. oh, uh, 
<laughs> I was so tired. From, you know, I was like, yeah. it was an exhausting experience. But, um, but then I just decided to go to UMKC, which mm. turned out to be an incredible school and uh, worked with Louis Coliani, mm-hmm. who was an incredible voice teacher. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, Dale Rose, who was a, mm-hmm. a really incredible acting yeah. teacher. I know when I went to school at NYU, we focused a lot on resonators and articulators. Mm-hmm. And it's something that uh, I sort of, <clears throat> when we did four men, I tried to encourage the cast to, to do that. Um, mm-hmm. Some were successful. You know, there are some folks who had some issues with, you know, diction and all that sort of stuff. But is that something that you guys focused on when you studied? Well, when we studied, Louis Coliani is like, he's one of the top um, mm-hmm. Kristen Linklater teachers. Oh, so I he's the Linklater, Linklater t- mm. technique mm-hmm. or method or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and so he was just incredible. And I learned so much about theater from him. And then Dale Rose was just a really great, you know, um, instructor as well. Um, but he, but Louis Coliani is like, just tell the truth, you yeah. know, just break it down and just be simple with it and just speak the truth. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was one of the things that I really um, enjoyed from uh, that, the masters of um, yeah. uh, uh, fine arts from UMKC. Um, he's a, like I said, I can't say enough about my husband and I, we still talk about how much we learn from Lewis and, um, you know, and how so much we share with our students. He was in the same grad students. school with you? My husband was in the same grad school with oh, me, awesome. yes. Awesome. We met in grad school together. We were in the same class. I did not want to date him because mm-hmm. it was a three-year program. Mm-hmm. Right. There were only nine of us in that mm-hmm. class. Oh. And I thought, if this goes awry, this is going to be hell for the <laughs> next <laughs> couple of years. Yeah, mm-hmm. that makes sense. But and yeah. he, he, wa- he waited. No. Well, we started dating, I think it was in that, that December that mm-hmm. we, we met in mm-hmm. August and then right. by December we were dating. Yeah. But um, we actually ended up getting married the summer after our second year mm-hmm. in grad school. So uh-huh. our third year in grad school, we were a married couple, right. which was bizarre. But yeah. I still think that's weird. It's unusual. I hear about Stanislavski back in 1900 <laughs> and how his group in Russia – their theater company became so intimate that there were folks who did get married. So we have another <coughs> couple in our class too. Yeah, oh. there was there were three war- women that started mm-hmm. out and seven men, and then mm-hmm. one woman left, and so it was me and another woman, and she actually ended up marrying one of our classmates as well. Oh, mm-hmm. And they're still together. Yeah. So I mean, when you go to grad school, you're going you know seven o'clock in the morning till eleven o'clock right. at night, and yeah. you know you see everything that, oh, yeah. that these people are going through. Yeah. So no surprises, you know, yeah. when you no, that's that's fantastic. Know. Now, when you when you when you were in grad school, was it your attention to being an actor or a teacher of the arts, or what? What was your well, I'm I, I was thinking about this the other day and talking about this with my son. Um, I, my my focus was acting, mm-hmm. um, and I wanted to do acting. You mm-hmm. know, and I never thought of myself like I never thought of myself as a teacher necessarily. I was just like, I want to be in shows. I mm-hmm. want to be in plays that say something and mean something. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And um, and I wanted to just be an actor. I didn't see myself like, I don't need to be a big Broadway star. I don't need to be a movie star. I just want to create. Sure. Mm-hmm. I want to create and be a part of the world in that way and mm-hmm. just always continue to create. So I never was caught up in like, oh, I'm not, you know, I don't have the big 
job, Broadway job or anything like that. Mm-hmm. I just, you know, I liked being an actor, creating, being in shows. And then eventually I started directing and writing. Mm-hmm. Um, but primarily I was just trying to do, you know, act yeah. in the world. I'd lived in New York after grad school. Oh, is that right? We how, moved how long to Brooklyn. You, yeah. How long did you stay in Brooklyn? We stayed in Brooklyn for about four and a half years. Okay. And then I was what, like, what, what was the time period? If you don't mind me that asking. was in 1994. Okay. You know, um, yeah, it was about 1994. So you were around during the Giuliani years. Uh, yes, yes, we were there during the Giuliani years. Yeah. Mm. Oh yeah. Um, yeah, and you know, so we we didn't know where we wanted to go after grad school, and I mm-hmm. wanted to go to Chicago, but my husband wanted to go to New York, and so I said, okay, let's go to New York. Mm-hmm. And we lived in the, and we lived in Brooklyn, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. Brooklyn, New York, when Brooklyn was Brooklyn, I right. guess at that time, mm-hmm. yeah, it was not what it is now. But I lived in Brooklyn during the late eighties. So. Oh, so yeah. that's real. That's real Brooklyn, right? Yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, so we lived there for four and a half years, did some things, you know, mm-hmm. and um, but then it was just like. I didn't really like living in that. I just, I wanted to have a car. Mm-hmm. I wanted mm. to be able to drive and go places and have more freedom yeah. than just, you know, going to the subway or, mm-hmm. you know, working in Manhattan and, you yeah. know, doing all kinds of, all kinds of jobs to make a living. Sure. So right. you could do a little bit of theater. Yeah. <laughs> did you do theater in New York? I was going to ask I you. I did. Yeah. I did a little bit of theater in New York. After I got a gra- out of grad, grad school, mm-hmm. I was like, I don't want to do it any theater for a year yeah mm. i told my husband i was like i need a break i went from undergrad right into graduate school mm-hmm. i hadn't had a break so i took a, about, a, about a year mm-hmm. and then i started getting you know i started doing some things that i actually i went back to kansas city to do some shows mm-hmm. that were being created um you know latino based shows oh, sure. uh-huh. um that were very special mm-hmm. and dear to my heart and met a lot of great interesting uh directors like I met Jose Cruz Gonzalez, who is a wonderful playwright and um, uh, theater director, and he was a he's been a huge influence on me as a as mm. an adult actor and yeah. you know and um, uh, it, you know as professional um, and it has always encouraged. And I met him in Kansas City, and he encouraged me to. I did a show called Alicia in Wonder Tierra mm-hmm. by Silvia Gonzalez S, who is a a really great playwright too and yeah. friend mm-hmm. um and um so through that i kind of started getting work doing um shows jose had a show in mm-hmm. minnesota so i went to minnesota did a show mm-hmm. and i did some other things and then i got this gig in um at the lincoln center institute mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. where my fr- <laughs> my friend um was being a reader for one of the shows and it was and now miguel a uh, play called And Now Miguel, and mm-hmm. she said, Linda, you got to go over to uh, this audition. She called me up and said, you'd be perfect for this role. Mm-hmm. So I was like, really? Well, it's at the Lincoln Center. you got to go to the Lincoln Center and audition for this play. It's a kids' tour show, mm-hmm. and she sings and all this stuff. So I was like, I just crashed the audition, and they were like, Who's, what agent sent you? And I was like, oh, no, I don't have an agent. And so they were like, okay, and I just walked right in, and then – I didn't get the role. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Another woman who had got the role, and um, but I got to be her understudy. Oh, mm. that's not bad. And so I got my equity card through that, uh-huh. and um, and then the other guy that was the understudy is an, now his name is Adrian Martinez, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. who is he's like he's a character actor. He does a lot of films and things mm-hmm. like that, and 
I was like, you're so he he was just such a film kind of <laughs> yeah. style kind of person. Yeah. So and he stuck with it. Yeah. Right. I wanted to ask you because um, we're I we've had Richard Talavera uh, mm-hmm. on, and we've also had um, Claudia Rosa, who uh, did I think the Frida. Prita Project. Project. Oh, yeah. I missed that. Oh, I really yeah. wanted to see that, but oh. yeah. But uh, you know, we've had because one thing that I asked Richard Talavera, I don't see a lot of Latino theater, mm-hmm. um, Latino plays in the Bay Area, and Richard was talking about the history of mm. Latino theater. The, apparently, there was a time there was a lot of Latino theater. Mm-hmm. There was teatro, I think it's Teatro de la Esperanza. Oh, okay. Yeah. That uh-huh. did exist, but doesn't exist anymore. Right. Yeah. Um, do you do you have any thoughts about uh, the lack, or maybe uh, maybe it's just because I don't the see the it. The presence. Well, you know, I think it is. You know, here's the thing. Sure. I've been working at Chabot College for since 2000. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I that's when I started having kids, and so I really focused on Chabot College. Yeah. And um, and so that's kind of been my thing for the last 18 years, yeah. mm-hmm. 2018. Um, but at Chabot, I started doing theater for young audiences and writing shows mm-hmm. for our particular uh, cultural people in the mm-hmm. area. So yeah. Filipino, I wrote African-American, I mean, an African show, um, um, uh, East Bay Cinderella, mm-hmm. and, um, huh. you know, a Mexican, li- like La, Yuchu- La, La Lechusa, which was kind of based on Mexican folklore. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've done a lot of different variety things because um, I knew our audiences were very mixed, a, right. a lot mm-hmm. of different varieties. But um, I haven't ventured out of Chabot for a while because my kids were young and everything. Sure. Mm-hmm. Well, now I'm like, last year I decided, okay, I'm going to just go with this playwriting thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. As a matter of fact, I think you and I met during, uh, you had a class with the, uh, I want to say, the Berkeley Rep, uh, Gary Graves class. Yes. Gary how, Graves. Was, how was that for you? Because I, I took the same class in 2016. Oh, you did? Mm-hmm. Well, I just decided that um, last year that I was going to take myself seriously. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so I had s- I got an email because I'm part of the uh, American College Theater Festival. Mm-hmm. It was a Kennedy Center. They were going to do a summer in playwriting intensive, mm-hmm. and you needed to submit some work and, and a statement and, and all this, you know. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, well, maybe I should try that. You know, I'm starting to, you know, take myself more seriously. So I was like, oh, you know, I was Mm -hmm. like, I've never really done this before. Okay. So I submitted, but I got selected. (laughs) Right on. So I went to the uh, Kennedy Center in, um, was it May, 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 Uh end of May, June. Yeah. And and I had a great experience. Um, It was such, I mean, it was like, take yourself seriously as a playwright. Mm -hmm. And I decided I've got to finish my play, uh-huh. which is Cheer, mm-hmm. Story of a Dreamer, yeah. I had written like a 15-minute version of this play mm-hmm. in 2007, I want to mm-hmm. say. And yeah. I always wanted to go back and write a full-length play. Mm-hmm. And so after my experience at the Kennedy Center, which was wonderful and nurturing mm-hmm. and just supportive that's and saying... That's Kennedy Center, that's fantastic. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I was like, wow. I was, you know, it was it was interesting. But the other thing about it was... It really made me see just how white theater is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because I was in a group of probably about 40, maybe a few more. Mm-hmm. And 
it was me, another Latina, and then an African-American playwright that was there. And we all kind of just found ourselves right, together. Right, we grouped right. together. We're mm. like, oh, God, this is so weird. You know, and mm, it was yeah. just, it. W- I mean, we were just like expressing how strange it was yeah. that we were just so outnumbered. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And one of the things that was kind of uh, interesting, I can't say disturbing, but it was a little shocking, was that a lot of the Caucasian writers were writing stories about Native Americans, mm-hmm. African Americans, mm-hmm. Latinos. And I was thinking, if I, if we're not going to do it, they're mm-hmm. going to write for us. Right. And so that was my goal. Was like, well, I need to start writing for us, you yeah. know. Mm-hmm. And um, and so that's been kind of that was the encouraging thing. Yeah. So then when I got back home, I was like, okay, I got to finish this play because yeah. I spo- I mm-hmm. actually. Um, oh gosh, I'm not going to remember her name right now. But she oh. just had a play out. Uh, Okay, I have to think about her name. But anyway, she's a a Latina um, Mm -hmm. playwright. Like, her name is escaping me. But um, she was there, and I I got to speak to her and talk to her about the play that I I had always wanted to write. And she Mm -hmm. had just written uh, Zacharias, Karen Zacharias. Oh, there you go. Okay. Um, So I asked her about her play about mm-hmm. DACA dreamer. Sure. And then, you know, and we kind of talked a little bit about that. And I thought, I've got to do this. The play I wrote was when Obama was in office mm-hmm. and now it's Trump in office. So the right. first act of my play is when this young woman, Erica Chavez is in high school mm-hmm. and she's a cheerleader in the homecoming and queen mm-hmm. and all this stuff. And then she finds out she wants to go to Berkeley. That's her dream. And mm-hmm. she finds out she's undocumented. And so mm-hmm. what? So I was like thinking I had left it at the end. She was like, well, what does that mean? What is DACA? What is right. being a dreamer mean? Sure, yeah. And there was like a question like, I don't know. Yeah. Because we didn't know what that meant. And yeah. We still don't. Right. Yeah. And so now I've gone back and I wrote, you know, the full, mm-hmm. full first act. And then the second act is the uh, uh, Trump years. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And her four years that she's had at uh, Cal because she gets into Cal. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. So um, the play is funny. Mm-hmm. It's touching. You get to know the story about how they came over, yeah. what happened, why they are here. Mm-hmm. You get to know she didn't know she was undocumented. Yeah. And yeah. this is based on a kind of a true story that I had because mm-hmm. um, I, I, I worked with some of my students. And, you know, when I wrote the first part, the mm-hmm. first 15-minute play, I talked to them and interviewed a lot of my uh, Latina or Latinx, I should say now, mm-hmm. uh, Latinx students, and just got some interviews and sto- backstories, and just shocking that one yeah. of them was like, I didn't know I was undocumented uh-huh. yeah. until I went to, I tried to get into college. Isn't it amazing how politics, you think politics is so away from, a, you know, you right. read it in the newspaper, and then all of a sudden, the politics affects you yeah. because it affects directly your life. You know, that's it's kind of a, s- a, a line in the play. It yeah. does, it, you don't really realize, you don't understand it until it, it it's a part of you until yeah. it affects you. I feel yeah. I've been ignoring you, Norman. I'm sorry. But I did have a quick question for you. <laughs> well, no, Linda, I've, I've been listening happily. <laughs> <laughs> but um, you know, you mentioned something interesting, Linda. How? Not, not I don't have a problem with Caucasians writing. You know, history. Right. But do you find that to be common? I mean, from the plays, because you work with a lot of diverse uh, playwrights, um, that sometimes you know 
diverse subject matters or plays mm-hmm. are not being written by, you know, people I of color. I think what happens in a lot of programs is basically we're giving permission. You know, these people are encouraged to trust, to find their voice, to trust their voice, and they are given permission to do that. I think what happens is that people of color end up getting a pushback that maybe other people don't get. Mm -hmm. And so either it's, wait a minute, you can't write that because, and then suddenly you have to educate the educators to the history that you're referring to or to the realities Mm -hmm. that you're referring to. Where these other character, these other people are. Wow, that's a fascinating story. That one character you made, Mary. Where is she from? Oh well, you know, it turns out, blah 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 blah. And these white people explain it, and everybody just nods and smiles and goes, "Oh, okay, that's interesting." But for the people of color, they are either forced into, as was said in the play, because all black people talk that way. Mm-hmm. You either get forced into that world, or you find yourself questioned about the material that you want to share. Yeah. You know, is that true or that's almost like this? So is this what you're trying to do? Yeah. Which is a valid question. It's just funny how it seems to come at people of color more than it comes to everybody else. Yeah. Yeah. And I feel like a lot of times it's either they're trying to play uh, people of color in one stereotype or they're trying to whitewash Mm -hmm. that kind of uh, uh, person. And it's like this middle part isn't being really shown yeah it's like the working class mm-hmm. person of color that yeah. is just and know. i think it's i think there are good intentions yeah, yeah. Like I think definitely about, like i think about steven spielberg yeah uh, when he wrote i think it was the was it the color purple, the color well, purple. I know, he, I know got beat up. he got beat up yeah he got beat up bad for the color <laughs> i didn't think that was fair I, I felt sorry for him yeah because i know you know the intentions are there I don't want to say that, hey, you've got to be black to write about black issues. I would never say that at mm-hmm. all. You know, Richard Talavera created Before the Dream. Right. And I thought he did a magnificent job mm-hmm. of that. Um, I do think that certain doors are only open to certain folks. Like you right. had mentioned about Kennedy Center, and you got into the Kennedy Center, Linda, because you were told about it. You know, if no one had ever told you, hey, you could submit your work, mm-hmm. you yeah. would have never done it. And I was thinking to myself, wow, I wish I would have had that opportunity. But I, I you know, no one even right. told me. And the only thing right. I could see, because well, I'm on the chain of the American College Theater Festival, sent out emails saying, yeah. mm-hmm. this is, you know, and I I was like, oh, I guess they've been, like, sending me emails about this kind of stuff for a while. And I'm not really mm-hmm. being looking at it in that way. But now that I've turned on the thing, the, you know, turned my playwriting instincts on and mm-hmm. now I'm like looking going oh what should I do you know what do I need to do yeah. which I also I also say that I should say that I am um, taking myself more seriously I submitted for um, Playground SF right and, on. I, and I got into that so I'm in part of the writers pool in Playground oh. SF did yeah. you go to the so, big meeting which last month he had a meeting there was a meeting yes I was there I, yes, I, you were there. Yeah, I showed up late. Okay. <laughs> yes, I remember. See, the two no. <laughs> Not late. They, yeah. I got there, and all these actors are standing out in the hall because he's still talking to the writers, and then he finally yeah. invites us in. It was it was funny. Yeah, just, yeah. yeah so I'm part of that. Um, mm-hmm. My play did not get selected, but that's oh, this, okay. This month. Yeah. That's okay. You, you, you so, so some of the themes are um, – 
they pick each month. There's a theme that the writers are given. What like four days before something, yeah, some craziness. Like four days, yeah. Yeah, you've got you know to crank out a rough draft, mm-hmm. and then those are read, and then they choose six of them that are going to be performed. Well, this one was big. Justice was the theme. Justice is huge. Yeah. And if you've been thinking about how you're going to deal with that in a contemporary way, or maybe you've been looking at some piece of history that you feel is worth illuminating. Mm-hmm. Then maybe you hit something that really bangs, you know, that really touches an audience, that yeah. reaches an audience. Yeah. Mostly, what's going to happen is you can go, well, what the hell's in the news right now? Oh, well, maybe I could do something about this or something about that. And the evening was just kind of pummeling. I mean, it just was one after another of, yeah, we know, and okay, yes. <laughs> and I mean, it opened with, um, and I got to learn her name because. When the Kavanaugh stuff was going on, suddenly um, somebody found this painting, this old painting of a woman throwing a man down a well. Hmm. She had been raped. Oh, right. And so the playwright went and figured out who that was and what that story was and then wrote a wonderful contemporary take on it that was a lot of fun. (laughs) Um, But, yeah, for the most part – and what I will say to you is – because I started talking to writers about it. It just seemed like a crazy exercise. But a writer told me – one of my favorite scenes that I actually got to direct, mm-hmm. Scapegoat, um, mm-hmm. this year. Scapegoat got commissioned for a full production to oh, Playground. Uh-huh. Um, when the prompt came out, he had already had a piece that he was thinking about and working on. And he went, wow, I can take a section of that and rework it with this theme in mind. And it's funny because the scene that he wrote for the Monday Night Playground never ended up in the play it it sort of the shape of it was sort uh-huh. of there but it was very different and what he did with it for the monday night playground was a lot of fun um but who was the playwright Do you the know? playwright is um bill bivens oh okay and um and i when i finally got to meet him and we were talking i was like i love that scene i remember that scene and then i got to read a just a stage reading of the full work and I got to play it, and that was wonderful. And then uh, the director for that moved to L.A., so he wasn't here. And they uh-huh. said, well, do you want to direct it? And I was like, hell yeah. <laughs> I would love to direct it. But it was what I thought was useful to writers was to know, yes, there's this prompt. And sure, if you've got something, if it sparks you, inspires you, go for it. But if not, look through the work that you've already got and see if there's something that fits or something that comments on this in a useful way. And just use that, I mean, you know, unless it's your big hit Isn't play. Isn't that cheating? <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> well, but I, no, it's I your ideas. I, no, mean, I, I mean, and Reg, you know, as a new playwright, we're having these conversations, and Reg says, well, you know, that's just the way it is. And I'm like, well, that's the way it is for this moment right now in this situation. But when you create one of these pieces, just like a child, it takes on its own life. Yes. And so if you don't want to feed and nurture it, you don't have to. but if you do want to trust that there was something that inspired you something meaningful that was worth saying you might want to at least keep it on life support until you can find a place for it to go yes and are are we talking about rewriting or tweaking things to not just rewriting and tweaking but also just knowing um i remember gosh there's a piece that I know, and I think it's after Obama. Yeah, it was just after Obama got in office because, remember, we were in post-racial America for <laughs> a heartbeat, some of us. And, oh, and yeah. the rest of us were like, what the hell are you talking about? 
And then that huge backlash started and never ended. Still hasn't ended. Yeah. And, you know, tidal waves of hate and, and racism. Mm-hmm. And this writer wrote a piece that just put a finger on that pulse at the time they were talking about post-racial America. Mm. And I was like, oh, my God, this is, you're right. Right now, this is perfect because right now we are ripe for this. When you put this in our face, it's going to mess with us. As things kept getting uglier and uglier and more confused and more polarized, it's like, well, now, no, you can only give that to one audience. It's sort of like, uh, what's the play now? Sweat. Uh-huh. Um which is hot now, but was written before Trump got in. But yeah. it was written about the realities that are part of what gave Trump the power that he's gotten. Yes. And so that playwright, if it had gone the other way, that play would have been that play would have been anti-Hillary. Mm-hmm. So that play would have gone nowhere mm-hmm. except a few little lefty companies in the country. Um, that play would have gone nowhere because everybody – it's like Nancy Pelosi. Do you like Nancy Pelosi? Do you not? Well, is she an effective politician? She sure the hell she is. is yeah. So I may not like all of her politics, but I got to vote for this woman because, damn, she gets stuff done. And I would love to see her in a position where she could get more done You know, mm-hmm. you, to make those choices. So your little play – you sometimes have to put on the shelf or keep on life support in some way mm-hmm. or think about if there's That's something you want to redo. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Well, I, I think about that because I directed uh, Rhinoceros. Mm. Ah, Unesco's we t- we Rhinoceros Unesco, yeah. years ago, probably about five yeah. years ago. Mm. Which Last year when Trump, when we, we talked about Rhinoceros oh. because in the age of Trump. I was, yeah. I was on fire about it, yeah. So <laughs> about five years ago I directed it and – Nobody really got it. Right, <laughs> right. And my husband and I were talking. We're like, "This is the time to do rhinoceros." Oh, yeah. Yes, yeah. You yes. Know. yeah. Um, so it, it's a ripe time to do rhinoceros, to do Moliere, oh, uh, yeah. Tartuffe. Oh yeah. You know that. Yeah, it would be great. So, but I'm. I really wish I could be doing that right now, as well as my play. But mm-hmm. <laughs> oh no, I was begging. I, yeah. As Trump started to ascend, I was like rhinoceros rhinoceros and and i tried to talk to some people about mm-hmm. trying to put something together because i'm like, surprised I, it isn't and actually my we we filmed that uh, version mm. of rhinoceros for mm-hmm. the chabot college tv station mm-hmm. and it is the most watched chabot college tv station video awesome. it awesome. almost has a million views that's incredible I mean, is it on people YouTube? don't like it yeah. sometimes. It's on YouTube. Okay. Um, it's, you know, mm-hmm. it was a tough production to do. First of all, I had to, like, shorten the um, script because it's, right. like, huge, yeah. huge script. I had to, like, right. yeah. cut it down. Um, but I think I did a good job of cutting it down. Mm-hmm. So, and I think that's why people have people watch it because it's mm-hmm. just super clear. Mm-hmm. I just got rid of a lot of stuff and tried right. to just get um, certainly, you know, some things were sure. a little. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but it's you know, it's totally relevant. It is it's totally, totally relevant, relevant now. now. Yeah. yeah. So, but um, I'm glad you mentioned cheer, and we will definitely plug that. Uh, because we have a, uh, you know, when people watch the yay, they can pl- they can click on the, oh, yeah. the website and all this stuff. Yes, yeah, so if anybody knows anyone that's dealing with DACA, which I think we all do. Yes. Or, you yeah. know, it's I think it's going to be a really thoughtful, um, it's going to be funny, and it's going to be also dramatic as well. Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. there's a lot of 
dramatic themes involved. Yeah. And you think cheerleading is probably going to be really kid-friendly. It's not really mm-hmm. a kid-friendly show necessarily. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But, but it's necessary. I mean, it's, it's needed. And, you know, yeah, it's, it's, it's we one go of deep. those things. Yeah. I'll just say that. We go deep with the, the, yeah. the themes are deep. Yeah. And um, it's been really, I mean, it was great to work with Gary Garrett. <laughs> Gary, Gary Graves. Graves. Gary, yeah. Graves. Mm-hmm. Gary Garrison's with um, uh, with Kennedy Center. Yeah. Anyway, oh, but Gary uh-huh. Graves. Yes. Um, because I really enjoy working with him um, mm-hmm. as a playwright. He's nurturing. He's yeah. respectful. He um, – I can't say enough good things about him. What do mm-hmm. I, you know, I really mm-hmm. enjoy him, mm-hmm. and I highly recommend – his classes and anything you can do in that class in particular. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because me, it me got too. me yeah. to mm-hmm. the end of that play yeah. to finish my play. So, Yeah, and I, I second that. I uh, took a portion, not necessarily four men. I took a portion of Richard and Ellen uh-huh. and submitted it and got some very good feedback, not only from Gary, but also from the other classmates. Yes. Right. And I think that's one of the most influential things about his class is that you get to read it. You get, you know, not just, you know, like, okay, we're going to give you 10 minutes and, you know, okay, now let's move on to the next one. Because mm-hmm. I don't find that very helpful. But you get one full day of people reading it, getting feedback, constructive criticism, and uh, that's something that you need. And the way that he, he establishes the criticism of the how you're going to give criticism to the other exactly. mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. playwrights is very important. And I think that was – I mean, I had some really great people in the class. Mm-hmm. Your friend, Paul. Paul Harkness. Harkness was yeah. in there. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, more – I can't remember all their names. But, yeah, yeah, yeah. But mm-hmm. I had these really great people that gave that such – vital mm-hmm. comments and I debated them on a lot of things too mm-hmm. you know I'm like no 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 you yeah, know yeah. Uh, but um, mm-hmm. but they were really it was really great to get that feedback and, and in such a positive way yeah that it wasn't threatening yeah. or it wasn't and you got to hear other pieces people and I got to hear well. yeah. yeah yeah and that's that's a learning experience as well yeah yeah we have hit the one-hour mark. We could talk on and on and on <laughs> 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 but it's late at night and I don't want to hold you up uh, shout outs Birthdays. Birthday shout-outs. Birthday, birthday, birthday. I've got a couple. No, there's other shows we should definitely talk about, including Ward 6, which is mm-hmm. Gary's latest. Mm-hmm. Um, you want me to go first? Um, Jennifer LeBlanc. Okay. It's uh, birthday Sunday. Jessica Richards. I'm not sure where she is right now. I just remember her starting off at Cal Shakes as an intern, and now she's some big wig mm. someplace in the country mm-hmm. doing theater. Cliff Mayot, um, wonderful director, uh, teacher, mm-hmm. um, and his son happens to go to school with my son, so All right. we actually bump into each other from time to time. Thomas Simpson, I and he even said something. He came to the show. He runs an organization called Afro Solo in San Francisco, and uh, he came to the show. Ah, yeah. yeah. I got his card. Yeah. Uh, his birthday's Tuesday. Yeah. Ashley Smiley, who I think teaches at Cal. It's funny. I only know her through Facebook, mm-hmm. but... All these people that I know know her, and you know, and they talk as if we know each other. (laughs) (laughs) Eventually, one day you will. Yeah, Uh, Luana Stewart is Mm -hmm. a stage manager, and her birthday's Wednesday. Darren Carollo, Mm -hmm. um, if you don't know him, he is a producer. Okay. (laughs) Um, And lately, he's been working with Forty Second Street Moon, but he's also encouraged other. He loves musicals, and he loves. He has a real good sense of how to produce them. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's been encouraging people. He's been wonderful. And Priya, our Priya, All her right. birthday is on Thursday. Wow, I did not know that. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so um, 
A good friend of mine, also a playwright and a poet, Allison Luderman. Her birthday is today, so happy birthday, Allison. She's probably having a party right now. Uh, I've met her through the uh, Play Cafe, also the Musical Cafe. She actually wrote a musical called The Chain, which deals with people with dis- with uh, dialysis. Oh, so, um, wow. That could be more timely. It's a little 10-minute play. On that one. That yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. It was a very, very powerful piece, and I was very lucky enough to be in that. As a mm-hmm. matter of fact, by a mm-hmm. chain of events, my be being involved in that, I submitted a musical of myself, which got in contact with uh, another actor who happened to know Karen Ritchie, which allowed me to produce Foreman in Paris. It's wonderful how mm-hmm. these chain of events, yeah. you mm-hmm. never know who you're going to meet and uh, where it will lead to. So in any case, happy birthday, Allison. Also on today, uh, Christian Epps, who is a teacher at Duke Ellington School of the Arts. He teaches technical theater, building flats and all that stuff, and he's always been fantastic. Um, A very good friend of mine, Marlene Stevens, her birthday is Thursday. Uh, She is not an actress, but she is a performer. She leads a group of women called Sisters of the Drum. They deal with African music. Yeah, oh. uh, you you know Sisters of the Drum. It sounds familiar. But yeah, I'm no, they sure. do they do fantastic, and they they not only uh, drum but they also pass on the African you know heritages and teachings. And um, there, I, I look them as female griots. Uh, mm-hmm. they, they do a fantastic job. Mm-hmm. Uh, on the twentieth, Lauren Hayes. I don't know if you recognize that name. She's a young but very talented actress. I acted with her in Skin of Our Teeth. Mm. Mm-hmm. Um, she actually came to when you did uh, Hamlet. Oh. She came to the show. Nice. And we uh, got to talk and said wonderful things about you. Mm-hmm. Uh, Corey McKenzie, she is the identical twin sister of Ty McKenzie, <laughs> who is the, um, the I want to say she is the manager of um, Linda Ayers Frederick's The Phoenix Theater. Oh, The Phoenix, okay. Yeah, so basically she handles the technical... Uh, directing stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, Susanna Yu, she uh, is a former veteran actress and uh, at Bindlestiff, but now she's in New York raising a family. Hopefully she'll get back on the stage. Mm-hmm. Also on Saturday, Alan Casmorio. Yay! His birthday. How did I miss that? <laughs> and he was the former uh, director of um, Bindlestiff, and he's doing other mm-hmm. great things. I think he's his. When, when was he last on stage? I'm not sure, okay. um, but I think he's on stage this year because I yeah. think I got an invite to something. Yeah. Also, another young actor, Jeremy Sawyer. His birthday is on the 20th, October 20th. Uh, I we did um, the Marriage of Benton Boo by Christopher Durang, and that was way back in 2001. Funny story, we did that. Our first rehearsal was September the 11th, 2001. Very tragic events, but people needed to laugh, mm. and uh, we had a sold out audience when we did. Um, when we did that, the marriage of Benton Boo. Um, Isaiah Duforth, his birthday is on October the 21st. He is a local playwright um, and a filmmaker and a teacher. Mm-hmm. Matter of fact, he was a guest on The Yay. Uh. So, Isaiah, you know, happy birthday to you. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jessica Coker, I had no idea I had so many people. <laughs> Usually <laughs> it's the opposite. Right. <laughs> uh, on Monday the 22nd, Jessica Coker Moore, she is a uh, singer and an actress. She usually works at Ray of Light Theater, uh-huh. does a fantastic uh, job. You know, she's she's a true belter. I mean, you know, she Yay. has an incredible voice. Mm-hmm. On Wednesday, Marla Cox, I think you remember her. She uh, did a, a thing on the A. Remember we did the A and we were filmed? Oh, yes. And we oh, were sitting over right, there. Right, yes. That's her. 
fantastic singer. I believe she had just finished doing, oh, shucks. Maybe it was for Color Girls. Uh, I know she did Pippin, mm-hmm. but she worked with me. I wrote a mini musical oh, right. called yes. Nia, and she was my lead actress, mm-hmm. playing a, uh, a 20-year-old, although she's 51, although she didn't right. look 51 at all. Right, wow. not at all. <laughs> all right. Um, <laughs> oh, I see Priya right here. I see, yeah, there's Priya. Okay. And that is it. I missed one. Yes, uh, William ahead. Brown. William J. Brown the third, actually, since if you're William Brown, you mm-hmm. have to distinguish <laughs> yourself. Uh, he runs the Arabian Shakespeare Festival, and it's his birthday. When you said Alan, I was like, how did I miss Alan? And I see now I skipped over because he's got a one of those fundraiser things. William has one of those fundraiser things, mm-hmm. and that just took up my screen. I just skipped past all of it. But his birthday is tomorrow. Um, Rock on. Yeah. Uh, shows. Shows. Lots of shows. Yeah. Um, so uh, I know that they're doing uh, Ward 6. You're probably going to say Central Works. Yep. Ward 6. Central Works. Yep. Um, oh, shoot. I just had them. Where did they go? <laughs> Want me to jump in? Yeah, go for it. Okay. Well, obviously, we're going to pump cheer Story of a Dreamer uh, at Stage 1 Little Theater Chabot College. Um, also, Dream Girls. Dream Girls uh, opened on will open uh, this weekend. Is that the Black Red? That is Berkeley Playhouse. Oh, right. Yes, yeah. yes, 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 yes. A good friend of mine, Sean J. West, will uh, be in that. Yeah. He directed me when I did uh, the Playwrights Center for San Francisco. Um, Do you know what he's doing? I have no idea. Okay. I, I would guess he's going to be the um, – there's a James Brown character. That's what I I, I think so, ah. yeah. <laughs> that, I, I think you're absolutely right. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I uh, wish uh, him the best of luck for that. They're probably doing uh, – they're in hell week right now because they, they're opening. Right. The gods are not happy. The Brooklyn Preserve is uh, dealing with that. It's a dark comedy for dark times. That's all mm. it says. i got to <laughs> get back in there and see what's going on because when uh, Ubuntu left, they made it sound like that space was not usable. And it sounds like a lot of good theater is happening there. Yeah, a good friend of mine runs it. I think she owns it. Um, right. Fallon yes. Blazer. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, the very attractive Fallon Blazer, if you're listening. We Fallon. should talk to her. <laughs> Hamlet, the flight deck. They are doing Ubuntu. that. Ubuntu, there yes, it is. Which right. my, my actually my husband is in that. Is oh, that yeah? right? Well, he's, Polon- he's Polonius. Uh-huh. Dove uh-huh. Hassan. He's Polonius. Guess who was also Polonius, I was last, Polonius year. Oh. last year? <laughs> Maybe you guys should battle. <laughs> Polonius <laughs> battle. To thine own self be true. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Thou should not be false to any man. Mm-hmm. <laughs> One of my favorite quotes from Polonius. Shotgun players. Women laughing alone with salad. Um, that is happening. Um, did you did you have anything? It, you, I didn't. I'm surprised you didn't say the SF Olympians. Oh yeah, I was going to uh, do that. SF Olympians. We've been pumping that uh, mm-hmm. forever. Clybourne Park. Um, That's right. I think Kari is in at the Alto Arena Playhouse. I believe so. Yeah, October uh, the 5th through November the 11th. And then uh, the Refugee Voices and Euripides Trojan Women is at the Royce Gallery, which is where I did Hamlet. Mm-hmm. Um, that's uh, Lily Tung Crystal is doing. Mm-hmm. Um, Chasing Papals, uh, Bindlestiff is doing that. What's it called? Chasing Papals, huh. P-A-P-E-L-E-S, Papalis, okay. or, or perhaps mm. that's what it is. Uh, Joaquin Murrieta, My Quest for Justice is at the Clarion Music Center. Tiny little space just on the edge of Chinatown. Um I watched, in fact, I was in a reading of this piece, and they were is just building the performance space downstairs. Is that by Sylvia Gonzalez Hulse? Oh, I, I probably, think, yeah. I think that is. She's a San Jose lady? Um, I can't remember where she's. It's not from San Jose. Oh, okay. I can't remember where. There was, she might live there, though. Uh, there, 
their playwright was coming from San Jose. Was, oh, no, oh, no, no, no. They were trying to get funding from somebody coming from San Jose. We oh. actually held up a reading one night for an hour waiting on somebody to show up. I think that's what she was saying. Uh, American Malls at Brava. Mm. And I think um, Rutimi is in it, who I've been trying to get on. And maybe, um, oh, gosh, your boy. Why am I spacing his name? AJ. Oh, right I on. I think AJ's in. Cool. Uh, Chekhov's Ward, that's Central Works, Chekhov's Ward 6. Yep. Uh, the Obligation is at Potrero Stage. It's a um, mm-hmm. solo piece being done by Roger Guinevere Smith. Um, and somehow Playground is attached to it. I'm not sure nice. exactly what that is. And I think that's everything. And I, I want to push just one more thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, Spare Stage pr- is presenting The Right Note. It's a new musical book and lyrics by Jerome Gentes, who was our first ever guest uh-huh. on The A. Uh-huh. Jerome Gentes, when he's not writing musicals and he's not submitting things, I think he's done a bunch of stuff at the, um, the uh, what is it, the playground? Yeah. But mm-hmm. he also mm. runs the musical cafe and the, and the play oh, cafe. Nice. And so that will be at the Phoenix Theater mm-hmm. uh, from, uh, from November the 30th to December the 15th. So we'll be pumping that, uh, the right note in mu- musical. Did you and have Linda anything, Linda? Oh, no. Th- I just was checking to see if that was Sylvia's play, and it is. Okay. Yeah. Oh, She's fantastic. from Hanford. Hanford. <laughs> ah. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> I've never been there, so. Well, Linda, did you have a good time? I had a great time. Yeah. I loved hanging out with you guys <laughs> and talking theater. Absolutely. Uh, and it sounds like we could have gone on and on and on. But like I said, it's really, really late. It's Friday evening uh, for those who are listening. Mm-hmm. In any case, yeah, we had a fantastic time with you, you know, just yeah, talking. Thank you. And, uh, yes, and, thank you and also, you know, the fact that you taught, you know, uh, two or three of our actors, even the, you know, the assistant producer. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so that's awesome. We have a good program at Chabot College. I guess you do. I'll Dude. just say that. <laughs> I got a special thrill one night when um, Curtis walked in and said, Margo says hi. And I went, because I didn't really hear him. And I said, hmm? He said, Margo Hall says hi. And I went, oh, Margo. And yeah. I just had a little boy crush moment. I was like, oh, I love <laughs> Who's Margo Well, Hall? I just want to say. Margo oh, Mar- Hall is probably oh. the premier black actress in the Bay Area. Oh, she's she's an incredible. Incredible director. She won't like She's it that you asked that question. <laughs> uh, you have seen her. Yeah, she I'm at sure one point her. was all over Bart. Um, all the Bart billboards yeah. were Margot for a show at the Aurora. Mm-hmm. She's just, Margot's incredible. Yeah. Wow. Awesome. Um, but I just want to say about Curtis, he was at my rehearsals every day, three to six, with Cheer, Story of a Dreamer. Yeah. And then he would go to the your rehearsals uh-huh. he not he never wants to he complain to me uh-huh. that oh, it's just too much it's just too much i can't be there or, you know he was always there yeah. that's what i love about him curtis is fantastic great energy yeah and he well uh, watching him grow yeah. it was it was amazing because i started off for the first few weeks saying don't do this don't do that can't do this can't do that you yeah. did some good work with him i i i i totally see it mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. well what i him. loved is so i gave my direction and then he took that information and made it his own yeah so i was like okay that was not what i was asking for but wow that'll work <laughs> I yeah. <like> that. <laughs> yeah and for someone who is i think he's almost six feet maybe six feet one mm-hmm. totally not doesn't look like james baldwin and, and baldwin out of all of the four is the most recognizable for this generation mm-hmm. but he made it into his own well, we and i can tell he really loved that it helped. Yeah, the it did. did. <laughs> <laughs> he the almost cried. Out. He almost cried. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
And matter of fact, he was in the. I remember he was in the men's uh, dressing room when mm-hmm. he was getting the hair done. But um, no, he he did a fantastic job. And and great, you know, great shows how with the great teaching of Chabot College. Oh, Chabot yeah. is. Yeah. People yeah. haven't known, but in fact, I don't know if you would know him, Armando McLean. Yes, um, a student, former gave, student. Gave him his first job. Okay. And um, and then got him in some other work because I just really enjoyed him. And when he went away, I was like, yay. And then he came back and was barely here like a year. Yeah. And then gone. Hey, that's awesome. Yeah, I remember he auditioned. He w- we wanted him to audition for the play Macbeth. And mm-hmm. he said, there aren't any black characters in that play. <laughs> mm-hmm, right. And I was like, what? Are you kidding me? You know, and he was serious. You know, right. he was like, well, I can only do Othello. I'm, you know, and I was like, no. Just stop him and ask no. him what his last name is. Yeah. What do you mean? <laughs> yeah. Dude. And so he's a special one. He's mm-hmm. a special actor. Oh, he's, yeah. he's wonderful. He was, our, it, he was our Tartuffe. It helped he me learn so, so much about what was going on there mm-hmm. because there was a whole little community of people that I started meeting and working with. And I was like, wow, Haywood's got it going on. It does, but everybody wants to keep it a secret. <laughs> you don't need all them people flooding in there. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> really, really nice. Okay, here is my blurb. You can find the Yay. Well, of course, you're listening to it now, but tell your friends. You can find the Yay on the Apple Podcast app on all iPhones and iPads. You can also find the Yay on iTunes if you're a desktop or a laptop um, podcast listener. Just click on iTunes, go on store, use the search engine on the, on the upper right-hand side, and you can find the Yay. For Android users, download the SoundCloud app or just go on SoundCloud.com. And search for The A. The A was created by theater people for theater people. If you have a show you want to advertise or if you just want to advertise yourself, let us know. Hit us up on Facebook, Twitter, Snapchat, Instagram. You can find me at Red Space Clay. And I'm at Hoosier Hoosier. Yeah. How about you, Linda? Do you have a um, website? Yeah. I don't, but I, Twitter, I need to Facebook. get one. Yeah. Well, you're on Facebook. I'm on Facebook. But yeah, there you go. That's about as much <laughs> as I can do. Yeah. And you, do you do, I know you do um, voice teaching at Chabot, but do you ever do any private teaching at all? I have not done that, but I, you know, I've thought about doing private lessons and things yeah, like that. Yeah, I was about to say, you know, if, if anyone is looking for private lessons, you know, she should have Linda Amayo Hassan. Uh-huh. There you yeah, go. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, uh, any case, um, hit us up on Twitter, Facebook. Let us know, you know, what you feel about the podcast, and we will take it from there. And we gotta, gotta get find a better, better sign off. off. And we are out. Yeah.